the first Timothy chapter two tonight as we continue preaching through the book of Timothy. And I ask you to pray for me tonight. Pray. Uh, I, yeah, I'll pray for my voice, but pray for my heart and my spirit that it'd be right and uh, that I'd be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And then also pray that, uh, you know, a lot of times it's how things are received, not how they're, you know, pray that the, there'd be a reception to the Word of God. That's important, a reception, a receptive heart to the Word of God. And always learn to sort out between the preacher's preaching, his personality, and, and what he's preaching. Learn to sort between that. And um, that's important. But it's so wonderful to everybody. Man, I, I want to encourage you, um, a lot of people listening today. I think, it's, I think there's been over uh, 20-some hundred devices that were listening. And I don't know how many people per device you know, like if there are two people watching the one or one or three or five, I don't know, but a lot of people listening. And I tell you, uh, the comments mostly that are made are about the singing. And there's a lot of appreciation for singing these old hymns. A lot of people are not hearing the old hymns in churches. And then also somebody made a comment, and I'm going to tell you what it said. They said it looked a little light up there on the bunch singing this morning. It must have been folk sick. <laughs> And it matters whether you're up there singing or not. Amen. And we need, we need to give it all to God and do our best for Jesus Christ's sake. And it's again good to have you out tonight. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, um, we talked in verse number 8 about how the God addressed the men first. That they're to pray everywhere, lifted up holy hands without wrath and dying. That men's spiritual condition is to set the tone for the home and for the marriage and for the relationship and, and the spiritual advancement of, of their lives. And then he said in like manner also, verse number nine, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness of sobriety. Uh, somebody, asked, asked, somebody asked about shamefacedness. And that doesn't mean you're ashamed. It means a modest, uh, you're not a boldish kind of an arrogant out, you know, uh, flaunting yourself. That's what that means. And it's a, something you don't always learn to do. Don't try to change the language of the Bible. If you don't know a word, just look it up in the dictionary. Amen. Like you would if you was going to medical school. You're not going to walk into medical school and tell them, quit using that word just because you don't understand it. They're going to tell you to learn what the word means. And so we don't need to be changing the words. We just need to understand what the words mean. And then he says sobriety. We talked about sobriety being in command of your passions, in total command of your passions, opposite of being drunk and not having control of yourself, not with broided hair, gold, pearl, costly array, which becometh women professing godliness with good works. I'll just say this in passing, that uh, when Timothy, Paul talks to Timothy about widows later on, he's going to say a lot about women with good works. Women have a tremendous capacity to do good works in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I tell you, um, you know, making a cake or making some cookies or sewing something or just, I mean, or just that ability to sit by a hospital bed or by an elderly person or go see it. I mean, in this church, there's people that are just have a gift of ministering to elderly people and helping them. And I, and I, I stand around like, I don't know what to do, you know, you know, but God gives that. And, and ladies, I'd really like to encourage you on the issue of good works. Uh, boy, I tell you, God is in that. And anyway, then he says, uh, uh, verse number 11, this, we're going to start the text tonight. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, in Titus chapter 2, it's going to tell the older women to teach 
the younger women, right? So when you, when you see that, that doesn't mean a blanket. They're not to teach anybody anything. It means they're not to teach men. Okay. And it's fitting with the order. And so we're going to get into that. So be sure that you're just don't, don't go to wild seed on this thing or anything. All right. I said, I suffered not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed. Now, isn't this interesting that when God says verse 11 and verse 12, he follows it up with a referral back to the Garden of Eden. And if God goes back to Garden of Eden on this subject about the authority structure of God in the home and the church, then you and I better go back to Genesis chapter two and three, where he's talking about. He said, for Adam was first formed. Now, that's an important verse. Because he's going to give you two uh, issues of order in God's design. Adam was first formed. And then verse 4, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived. Now I said this morning, we're going to say Adam disobeyed by decision. But he was not deceived. He deliberately made a decision to partake. But he was not deceived. And this right here is the issue in the creative design and in the effect of the fall upon the creative design of God in men and in women. Amen. And boy, it's so important to get a hold of this. Uh, getting a hold of this will bring, and applying it, receiving it, will bring pre- peace and joy and tranquility into the heart. It said that Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Guys, would you put up 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 34 and 35? And while they're putting that up, I want everybody to go to Genesis 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now, did the Holy Ghost just up and decide some new territory and new thing whenever he uh, wrote that in 1 Timothy chapter 2? Was that some new thing that Paul popped up with? No. Is that way back here. Now, watch, watch a corresponding scripture. The Bible says comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. That means you compare scripture to scripture, get a balanced view of everything. And right, it says in 1 Corinthians, let your women keep silence in the churches. Yes, sir. <laughs> I don't know where that went to. For it is not permitted for them to speak, but they're commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Now, when it says saith the law, what's it talking about? Well, the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So that's what it's referring to. It is saying that it is back in that. Now, he said, and if they'll learn anything, and this is so wise right here. Let them ask their husbands at home for the shame for the women to speak in church. One of the wisest things I know about is for women to be able to discuss and talk with her husband about spiritual matters and so forth. And get that conversation going where you can talk on a deep spiritual level. One of the things I would encourage your marriages tonight. Learn to communicate on a deep spiritual biblical level. Amen. If you're not careful, you go whole, you're whole, growing up in your home and you've never had a deep spiritual talk with your own dad. Yeah. You've never had a genuine talk about, All right, am I really saved? And is there evidence of my salvation? And um, maybe you've never had a real genuine deep spiritual talk with your mother. But you need to cultivate that. Now, one thing God is really teaching us for a wife to cultivate spiritual discussion with her husband. Now, Satan's going to tell you he won't listen or he doesn't understand or you can't talk to him. And he may put that across to you. 
But if you have, that's why God says have that chase conversation in 1 Peter chapter 3, with right attitude and right conduct and conversation, God will open that door for you. I'm going to tell you something. I, I know a lot of rough men, and I'm kind of one of them. But there are very few men, I don't care how rough they are, that if you look at them with love in your eyes and say, honey, I need you. I need to talk to you. Very few of them are going to say, no, I ain't got time for you. And you appeal and you pray before you go. But you talk to your husband. Again, don't go to preachers. I'm not saying that you shouldn't call Karen and I or something like that. But I'm telling you what God says, go to your husband. And if you help, you might be surprised that he might decide to start reading his Bible. He might decide to start coming to church. He might decide to get saved if that's the situation. Now, we're going to go to Genesis chapter three. And if you'll put that up now, I want some help tonight. We're going to do a Bible study here. And we'll get into this in just a little bit, but I want you to really, I want you to be able to write some things down. And we're going to get into an issue that's just unbelievable to me. When you get into Roman, uh, Genesis chapter 3, after the fall, in verse number 14, God addresses the serpent, then he addresses Eve, then he addresses Adam, and the result of the fall. Now, this is affecting your life and my life every day. Verse number 15, he, he, he talks to this, and I'm going to give you the sweetest, one of the sweetest truths in the Bible. First of all, before I say this, whatever you do, don't allow Satan to do what he did to Eve and lie to you and make you believe that God does not love you as a woman, have a high esteem for his creative design in your life and purpose in his world. Now, if you let the devil tell you a bunch of junk that, well, the Bible's against women and all this stuff, I'm telling you what, you'd follow the same trap Eve did. Fell right in the same trap Eve did. It'll destroy you. Now, watch this, verse 15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Between, watch this, thy seed and her seed. Now, how many knows who her seed is there? Who's her seed reflecting to? Somebody say it. Jesus Christ. He's the seed of woman. Okay? Now watch this. Satan used a woman to bring sin into the world, but God used a woman to bring a Savior into the world. Amen. So if you think God's got something against women, you lost your mind. That's a, that's a profound thought. Satan used a woman to bring sin into the world, but God used a woman to bring a Savior and salvation into the world. Uh, that puts, as far as I'm concerned, that puts women on a pretty high plane. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty holy ground. Yeah. All right. Now, it shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. Now, here's verse 16. Under the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, if there's anything that makes me want to vomit, it's to hear some wimpy back preacher get up and say, well, God took Eve from Adam's side, not from his head to be ruled over, and not from his feet to be trampled under. And it sounds so sweet, but it's just as false as it can be. Because the Bible said right there that husband is to rule over his wife. 
And that's where Paul and the Holy Spirit got that that you read in First Timothy. It was nothing new. He was just reiterating what God said. Now, if you don't like that, take it up with God. In fact, Danny's taking all your complaints right after the service tonight. Danny, you've got all the complaints, all right. <laughs> I'm serious with the take it up with God. All right, now I'm going to tell you something. Now. We've got a governor ruling in Missouri. Is he more valuable than you before God? Does he have more value before God in God's eyes than you do? No. But he's still a ruler. That highway patrolman out there, he's ruling. He can turn his lights on and I'm supposed to stop. If he tells me slow down, I need to slow down. Does he have more value, intrinsic value before God Almighty than I do just because he's ruling? No. And ladies, men do not have more intrinsic value to God than you just because he told men to rule over you. I'm going to give you a verse that will blow you out. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 3. 1 Corinthians, put it up on the board, guys, if you want to. Now, I, I, I'm going to try to keep moving to everything, but I want to do this. It's good. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Everybody there say amen. amen. Be followers of me, even as I also am what? Of Christ. Paul didn't say just follow me blindly. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's the way you do pastors and preachers, by the way. You just don't blindly follow some preacher. You just don't swallow everything he spews out from the pulpit as he's following Christ. Now he said, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances I delivered to you. Now watch this verse. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. Whoop, up. Nobody's ahead of me. God says, man, men have a head over them. God says, men's got somebody ruling over them. Christ. He's my head. Now, what, do we, what, do you, what would you think about me if I bucked up tonight and said, I ain't ruling over me? You say something bad? Roll that boy. You just intrinsically believe that, man, alive, if I claim to be a Christian, I ought to allow Christ to rule my life. Amen. Why do we have a problem with it whenever it says women, that the husband should rule his wife? Well, we have a problem with that. Watch this verse. I'd have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. <laughs> I'll have you know that Jesus Christ came into this world, humbled himself and took upon himself the form of man and put himself in subjection to his father. And the Bible says, this Bible you claim to believe says that the head of Christ is God. Hmm. So he's not asking you and I as the man and letting Christ be my head. As a woman letting your husband be your head, he is not asking you to do something he's already not went ahead of you and given you the example to be. He, you read his prayers over there and he did everything to please the father. He totally obeyed the father. I'm telling you, he goes to great lengths in the book of John talking about his submission, his subjection, his obedience in doing and fulfilling what his father sent him here to do. Letting the father be the head of his life. 
And so this concept of headship is so important. Um, we could go on down through there and so forth, but we won't tonight. So man was created. Now, here's, I'm going to get into a few things here. Man was created, I believe the Bible teaches clearly, to be ruled by his head. Men think, as I said this morning, somewhat logically, as a general rule. Okay, we just look at it, that's the way it is, and that's it. We may, we may not see it right as it really is, but that, as logically as we can think, that's kind of how we look at it. We make decisions, hopefully by facts. We want to know the facts. I don't want to know how you feel about this. I want to know the facts about it. Okay. Adam sinned by decision. Okay. But woman was created to be ruled by her heart. And there is a need for that. Now, you say, well, I don't need the head. Another guy says, I don't need the heart. You need both, dodo. Because <laughs> how are you going to make it without the head? You say, well, I've got a good heart, no head. You ain't going nowhere. You say, well, I got a good head and no heart. You ain't going nowhere. God put that head and heart and they both think, according to the Bible, both of them think. Okay? And whether you know it or not, you need the thinking of your wife's heart. Bad. Keep you out of some stupid, what you thought was logical decisions. All right? Now, I see on Facebook occasionally and I'm going to tell you who puts it on there. Women. And, and, and it's not trying to put them down, but they'll say, uh, I just follow my heart. And ladies, follow your heart or girls, follow your heart. Well, the Bible says you're a fool to do that. Proverbs 28, 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Jeremiah said the heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Ladies, there is biblically, the Bible teaches, it is so dangerous for you to trust your heart without an input from the head that it'll take you places you never dreamed you'd go. Amen. Let me give you an example of how sometimes people are led by their heart. And by the way, head by facts, heart by feeling. And the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And faith is based upon the word of God, Right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And those are facts. This word of God is facts. Sometimes I don't even feel saved. I've been saved for 40 some years. But there's times in my life I don't even feel saved. But my, my, my surety of salvation is not based on my feelings. It's based on facts. Okay? Now, somebody could, with, with their heart say, well, just how could a loving God send anybody to hell forever? They have this feeling in their heart. They just can't comprehend it. It is hard to comprehend. But it's a fact. Whether you feel it or not. You ever, sometimes they'll say, well, it just doesn't, God doesn't seem to be fair. God never told you once time in this Bible, he's going to be fair with you. He operates in justice and in mercy and in truth. That's how he operates. And if you're not careful, you'll twist the scriptures to suit what your conception of your heart's fairness. And that's dangerous. Now, the deception of Eve and the decision of Adam was a three-point attack. Now, we're going to get into something here. Guys, you, you probably can't do this. But if you could, is there any way of putting two simultaneous scriptures up on the screen at the same time? Side by side? Probably can't. All right. 
Now, I'm going to show you something. Now, we're going to do this as just a, 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 an activity. Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis 3. And I hope you get a piece of paper out and do this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Well, let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Now, there's three things that Satan attacked Eve with. And not necessarily in this order. The authority. The accuracy. And the acceptability of the word of God. Eve had a, Eve had a two verse Bible. Eve had a two verse Bible. And she, I'm going to give you something tonight. Joe, you're going to work on that, are you? You can. You give them the two verses you want. Okay. I want you to put up on one side, and these guys are something else. <laughs> Amen. I'm tell you what, I don't deserve. I don't deserve to have people in the church like that. I've got here. One side you can put up Genesis two. Sixteen and seventeen. On the other side, I'd like to have Genesis chapter three, verses two and two through four. At least, or verses two through three. Now, here's what we're looking at tonight. We're looking at what God said and what Eve said God said. Now, you get this. In Genesis 2, 16 and 17, we're going to read what God said. And then in Genesis 3, uh, verses 2 and 3, we're going to look at what Eve said that God said. And we're going to find, and we're going to search, and I want you to begin right now to see and look in your Bible and figure it out and write it down what Eve did with the Word of God. Now watch this. This is Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. When you get to Revelation chapter 22 and the last verses of the Bible, what does God say about His Word? Don't you add to it and don't you take away from it. I'll take your name out of the book of life. Now, how many thinks that if God said, I'll take your name out of the book of life, if you mess with my word, it's serious business. I don't know anything that could be more serious. All right. Now, the basis of the attack, as I said, he attacked the authority of God's word, the accuracy of God's word and the acceptability. Now, watch this. Satan went to Eve, not Adam. He went to the heart, not the head. Now, I'm going to give you something you probably never noticed. God gave the instructions about the tree and what to eat and not eat before he ever created Eve. And this is important to get this truth. Eve... That word had been written before she came on the scene. All right? Your Bible was written before you came on the scene. Okay? You got to who? How did Eve know anything about what tree to eat and what not to eat? Where did she hear it from? She had to have heard it from Adam. Okay? Now, so in Genesis chapter 2, and in verse number 16, it says this. 
And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Over in chapter three, when Satan came in verse number one, this is, by the way, this is the first question in the Bible. It is the first statement that Satan ever made recorded in the Bible. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, and here is his quote, yea, hath God said, what's he doing there? He is questioning the word of God, casting doubt upon the word of God, casting doubt upon the authority of God, the certainty, the surety of the word of God. Now, in verse number two, Eve responds. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. What all did she do? She added and she took away. She did exactly what Revelation 22, the last thing in your Bible that God ever says nearly. I mean nearly the last thing he says. It happened when Genesis opened up in Genesis 2 and 3. That's not a coincidence. Beginning of the Bible, end of the Bible. God is emphasizing, don't mess with my word. Don't play with it and don't deal with it with your heart. Your heart is deceitful. You can't trust it. Stay with the facts. Now, does anybody, can any, has anybody picked out individual things where she added or took away? I'm just, I want to open kind of class. Yes. Touch it. God had never said not to touch it. She added. You say, well, that's no big deal. Yes, it is. She added to the word of God. God said, don't do that. Anybody else finds? Yeah, okay. Yeah, she called the tree in the midst of the garden. By the way, Revelation 21 speaks of the tree of life that's mentioned in Genesis. Genesis Revelation. If you ever want to make a massive study, do Genesis Revelation. Amazing. Everything in the whole rest of the Bible is in Genesis. But um, what'd she say about dying? Lest ye die. What had God said? Surely die. So she left out, by the way, big one she left out. Freely. She left out the word freely. She said there in verse, the woman said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. And she left out freely. That is so important. Did you know that all the new translations basically teach that you earn your way to salvation? If you study, you look at them, they, they go after grace, free grace. Let me just throw something at you. I'll side deck right here a little bit. One of the most famous songs in all of rock and roll history was Stairway to Heaven. Anybody remember besides me? They played it so much, they burned it into the psyche of American young people in the 70s and early 80s. Burned it into this. I mean, they had radio stations that played it 24 hours nonstop. 
on the inside of the album cover, they had a druid priest with a lamp and trying, starting up the stairway to heaven. That song permeated America. And the reason it did is because it fits the theology of religion. That getting to heaven, you climb a stairway to get there. You don't climb a stairway to get to heaven. I'm sorry. Salvation is a gift. And climbing a stairway is works. And effort. And all it was, was a, it was an evangelistical message. It was a religious evangelistical sermon to do away with free salvation. Salvation's free. Jesus did pay it all. It wasn't free to him, but it's free to you and I. And she left out freely. And God's telling you something there that man's religion will leave out the free salvation, the gift of God and try to add man's works and efforts to it. She left, she left out freely. She left out thou shalt surely die. She left out in the day. She added neither shall you touch it. And she added something else. And I haven't got this figured out, but she added the word fruit. Now, you say, Reggie, what's, why is this important? Well, get this. Adam is a picture of Jesus Christ. He's a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. Eve is a foreshadow of the church. Eve was taken out of Adam's side. Christ was pierced inside of the cross. And I could someday, I'll, I'll maybe do a lesson on the foreshadowing of Adam and Eve as a picture of Christ in the church. Christ is called in the New Testament, the last Adam. Okay. But Eve's a picture of the church. I want to ask you something. That, what has the church done in the last hundred years? Added and took away the word of God. There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. She did exactly what the church, there's a prophetic picture there of the church, what it, what it will do in the last days. Take away from the finished work of Jesus Christ, add and take away from the scripture. Somebody says, well, Reggie, it ain't that important. Uh, I just, I don't want to be mean, but, and I won't even name the denomination. It's a major denomination in the United States. They've got a new Bible out that they're promoting in their uh, denomination. They're trying to get all their churches to, to, to accept this new Bible. They, they, were, they were using the NIV, which is corrupt as it can possibly be, and now they've got this new one. And in this new one, like the NIV, it calls, G, it calls Lucifer in, in Isaiah 14, son of the morning. Yeah. Instead of calling him Lucifer. Lucifer's only in the Bible one time, and they take that out. Replace it with a name of Jesus Christ given in the book of Revelation and insert that. Making Christ out to be Lucifer. You say, Reggie, that, oh, that doesn't shake me about my faith in Christ. Well, I want to tell you, let me ask you something. The Bible's called the Old Testament, New Testament. It's Testament. It's God's last will and Testament. It's where we get the concept from. If you have a will that you've got for your children or grandchildren... I'd like you to give it to me. I just want to make a little ads and a little takeaways. I'll take away your children's name, put my name in. Just a little bit won't be much. 
And you'd say I was a crook and a liar and a cheat if I did that. And I say those that mess with the word of God are crooks and liars and cheats. Amen. You wouldn't let them do that. Sears Roebuck Bass Pro Catalog wouldn't let you change the prices on their catalog. And you don't even try. But you mess with the word of God. And God put this in there. And I'm telling you, we, we read through that and think, well, it wasn't no big deal. It was a big deal. That's how Satan got her. Look at your Bible in chapter three there. Verse number four, once he got her to add and change the word of God, he flat out then denied the word of God. The serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Once he cast doubt upon it, got her to thinking, well, it's not, you don't, you know, it can be messed with. And it's kind of your opinion about what it says and says and doesn't say. Verse number five. For God doth know that in the day either of your eyes will be open and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. That's Mormonism right there. That's that's exactly what Mormonism is. Now look at verse number six. This shows you where she was at. And this shows you why God is not, did not, is not allowing women, why he says women not to teach a man. Okay, in the church he set this authority up. When the woman, what? Saw. What was happening? She was going by sight, not by faith in the word of God. And her heart led her to make decisions based upon her feeling of her heart. And it got her. And God says in the church, I do not want decisions made. And preaching preached and things taught based upon how your heart's feeling today. Amen. Now, let's look at some things that, uh, I'll just go a few, few, few things. Here's kind of the thought processes that had to have gone through Eve's mind, but I'll put it in modern terms. Maybe Adam didn't tell you accurately. You ever heard anything about, well, we don't, we got about the originals. And the Greek should have said this and the Hebrew should have said that. And they're all time cast in doubt. Eve, you don't have the original. (laughs) You just have Adam's word for it. Let me tell you a little secret tonight. Everything that you believe as a Christian tonight, that you have anchored or based your never dying soul, your eternal destiny upon, is this book. Okay? Everything is based upon this book. And if this book's not right, and that, and that is based upon the doctrine of preservation. Amen. And preservation is like inspiration. It is not up to men. It was up to God. And when they start telling you that, well, man, he transcribed and he did all this and so forth, they're leaving God out of the picture. If God was able to inspire men to write, he is also able to preserve. And if he can't preserve, he couldn't inspirate. And the whole thing's gone. Your whole soul's salvation that you're saved trusting tonight is based upon the fact of God preserving his word. And if he hasn't preserved his word, you're gone. You have no hope. He is not a man to lie. Well, Eve, how do you know something wasn't lost in transmission? 
<laughs> you ever read those famous statements? Maybe it was lost in the translation. You know, it was just men. If Eve had stayed with the word of God and quoted the Bible back, she'd, she'd still be in the garden. Somebody said, where would man be without it? a woman? We'd be in the garden eating big apples, amen, with no worms in them. <laughs> no. Eve abandoned scripture. Listen to this. Eve used a paraphrase. Her own paraphrase. Eve used what's now called free rendering. Eve made a new version that was acceptable to her heart's reasoning. She ceased to live by faith and began to walk by sight. She considered her own ideas and her own feelings and her own opinions more valid than the word of God. And it got her. Eve put her own thoughts and feelings and ideas above the word of God. And Eve effectively removed herself out from underneath the authority of God in his word. And in doing so, she removed herself out from the authority of her husband. Now here, I want to get the influence that Eve had in the perversion of the word of God. In chapter three, in verse number six, God gave unto her husband. He gave that command there. At this point, she is spiritually leading the home. Is everybody listening to me? Now, God is silent on this, but I've always had a problem with Adam because I'm real bad to blame men for everything. Because God put man at the head of the home, he's responsible. By the way, it was whenever, go to Genesis chapter um, 3 and verse number 17. And he stay, takes off unto Adam. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God held Adam responsible. Now, here's what I've always wondered. Brother Ralph, where in the world was, was Adam when Satan was tempting Eve? Now, that bothers me. And to me, that may be the first original sin. I don't know. But he should have been protecting her from Satan. He should have stepped in and said, right, you talk to me. You talk to me. But the reality of what was going on right now, Eve took that food she ate and then she gave to her husband. Now he took deliberately and he disobeyed and he did it by decision. But I want to ask you a question. At that point in Adam and Eve's marriage, who was running the show? Who was running this? Who was leading spiritually in that home? Eve. Now, let me tell you the problem with that. God is a God of order and a God of authority. And in your New Testament, it says that he, our text tonight, that he first made Adam. And then he made Eve. God's creative order was being, watch this, was being flipped. This is where the devil will get you. She violated creative order. So in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, God gives what I would call executive or legislative or punitive order. They violated the order of the man as headship of the home and to lead the home spiritually. That was violated and it sent this plunge this world in sin. And you and I are living in the curse of it today. So they broke that creative order. 
man being the head of the home, Eve became the spiritual head of the home, plunged it in sin. So God stepped in in chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16, 17, and he established a punitive, and that's why he says to the woman, in sorrow you'll conceive and so forth. And punitive, that means punishment. They were both punished for their sin. There's a lot involved in the curse, but God was executing punishment upon them for this. It was the curse. And he said, thy desire shall be thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So now they violated his creative order. So now he puts a punitive order back in place. A legislative, he, by the way, he's legislative, judicial, and executive. Okay? He's all government wrapped up in one. And he put a punitive order. Your husband is to rule over you. He's to be the head of the home. Then he gives the punitive order to, to Adam in verse 17. Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. Underline that. I believe I should listen to my wife. I'd be in better shape if I had to listen more probably. But there does come times in life. That anything two heads is a monster. It's one head to a home. And there comes time whenever there's got to be a decision made and the husband needs to make it and asking his wife to pray for him that he'll make the right decision. Not arrogantly, not domineeringly, not disregarding her, nothing of that kind. Somebody sometimes got to make the decision. Somebody's got to hit the button and say, this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen here. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've been pastoring a long time. The absolute worst cases of destruction of families is when, that I have observed over the years, is when men abdicated their spiritual leadership of their home. And, let, and they, they got wore down and vexed by their wife and just said whatever. Now, I'm going to tell you men something tonight. I want you to think in your brain real quick right here, that woman sitting beside you, do you love her? If you love her, lead her. Lead her. Lead her in truth. Lead her with love. Lead her with kindness. Lead her. You abdicate and you give that over to her. Or you make it so that she gets desperate for some type of spiritual leadership and takes up the slack that you're not doing. You're going to pay for it. You're going to pay for it hard. You're going to pay for it way more than you want to pay. And your descendants will too. What happened to them was this. They were into a role reversal. And that's where America's at now. Everything that God created is being flipped upside down. Marriage, gender, leadership, churches with women pastors. We're going to get into pastors. The next chapter, First Timothy chapter 3, is going to deal with pastors, deacons. It's going to deal with it. Give us exact instructions about it. Don't have to wonder about it. Not trying to be mean, but these women that are pastoring churches are scripturally wrong. Absolute denominations that are ordaining women to preach are wrong scripturally. That's sin. And if they loved those women, they wouldn't cave into them. They would stand and say, listen, we love you enough not to let you get yourself into a mess like this. And you got to roll reverse everything. Here's the deal. Behind that all, behind, behind the whole roll reversal garbage going on in America is the devil. 
who hates the creative design of God Almighty and wants to pervert it. And he wants to pervert it in your home, your marriage, the reign of your children, your income, the way we dress, everything. He wants to reverse it and flip it. Because he just, anything he can do is like a throw in God's face. The Bible says, lean not into thine own understanding in Proverbs chapter 3. It's God's word that needs to rule. I, I want to just give some admonition to all the ladies tonight. And I, again, I want to tell you, God loves you. Man, he loves you. And um, please don't let this modern attitude about the Bible get, infect your mind and heart. You're not less because you're a woman. You're not of less value. Not, your role in life is not less important. I mean, what a lie we've been listening. And I'm telling you, if you don't, you don't look at a miserable, would you agree with me that America by and large is miserable tonight? Yes. By and large, America is miserable. You know why we're miserable? Because we've reversed all of our roles. We've allowed ourselves, just to be honest with you, to get so far in debt that we think we've got to have two people making an income. And we're sending our kids off here to be taken care of and sending our kids off here to, and we don't even raise our own kids. And we're, we're wore out and we're chased and we're tired. And when we just want to obey the simple things, such as be a keeper at home. You know why? I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not after nobody. I'm not, I have no desire to beat on anybody about anything. I'm serious with you. But it, this is the word of God, and God knows. He created us. He designed us. Remember the wall oven this morning? If you go the wrong order on the buttons, it's going to blow up in your face in the kitchen. But if you stay in order, it'll cook biscuits. And I just want to encourage you. Seek the scriptures. Seek the scriptures. Say, Lord, I want to know your word and your way and your will, and I want to do it. Now, I'm not against... Women working, mine works me to death. I've been, she's nearly worked me to death several times. I barely escaped with my life. <laughs> my wife works, she works hard. I mean, literally, she can outwork me. I'm ready to go towels and sit down, and she's still wanting to plant trees. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you need home. If I could tell you anything tonight, if you have to sell half the farm so you can be home with your children, they're going to be grown so fast, make your head swim. Cleaning and scrubbing can wait till tomorrow. For babies to grow up, we've learned our sorrow. So quiet down cobwebs and dust go to sleep. I'm rocking my baby because babies don't keep. And you can never have those stolen from you if you give those years in the home and raising your children, serving God in capacities. And let me say something. If you're a young lady here and you're not married, there's a lot of things. You, I, would, I would advise you against sitting in your room and looking at the wall. Are you hearing me? Amen. Young ladies don't sit in the room looking at the wall waiting for some husband to come by. Get busy serving God. Amen. There's lots of ways you can serve God. 
get busy. There are elderly women need to be taken care of. There are work here at school and church to do and all kinds. They just know into it you can find it. And develop homework and develop skills and develop products you can sell out of the home and do all kinds of stuff and grow green beans, amen, and, and keep honeybees and all kinds of stuff. Go out there, your husband leave you alone, amen. Don't get boxed into this world's ideology of what womanhood is. Beautiful, beautiful. Read Proverbs 31. She buys a field. Amen. She's strong, beautiful, wise. Her husband's known the gate. Trust in her. Most beautiful picture you'll ever see in your life. And that's what God wants for you. And so I hope you don't go out of here this week thinking, well, he's going to beat on us women. Whatever you think. I think it's time for us to go home. And, um, but I just want to tell you, it, it sure, you're valuable before the Lord. And what a creative design he has. And um, I just want to encourage you. Don't let the devil lie to you about life. So book will tell you the truth. Let's stand.